running a creative business is so profitable. We can charge a lot for our skills mm-hmm. because the reality is creative assets are massive, massive needle movers in a lot of businesses. Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another incredible episode of For the Love of Money. I am about to sit down with my friend, Joey Spears, who is the founder of JS Media. Now, JS Media works with brands such as Yeti and Ford and Uber, like some of these huge brands. But here's why I'm sitting down with him today. There's a lot of good marketing companies out there that work with big brands. The reason I'm sitting down with Joey is he founded this marketing company in 2014 when he was just 15 years old. Matter of fact, as we sit here for this interview right now, he's just 21. And he came into my life because he DM'd me on Instagram and basically said, hey man, you're looking kind of old in your media and your marketing. I would love to, let's say, make you a little bit younger and help you reach and speak to millennials and all the other generations that are coming up that matter. And he did it in such a tactful, cool way that I engaged with him And we have done so many projects together since. Uh, He's actually in our mastermind. That's how I really got to know him. And as a result, he actually created his own mastermind for creatives, such as photographers and artists, in order to help break the creative struggle, you know, the whole struggling artist syndrome. So listen, this kid, and I say kid lightly because he's 21, and and I just love him because he's become such a good friend at this point. But this kid is already crushing it in the world. And so whether you are 40, 50, or 60, or whether you are 15, 21, or 29, this episode is totally for you because you're going to realize there are absolutely no excuses, not age, not anything else, to being massively successful and making a massive difference in this world. So get ready, listen up, take some notes, because here we go. All right, Joey, how you doing, brother? I am so good. I'm stoked to be here, man. Thank you for having me. Dude, I am so excited that this worked out. Uh, you're actually in LA because we just had a mastermind together. Is it it my mastermind that I threw. Phenomenal, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate like that. Always. I love uh, the difference that we make in there. And um, you know, I said, hey, why don't we sit down and record? Because you have made such a difference in our brands and, and things that people haven't even seen yet, right? Uh, here's a hint, everyone who's listening, you're going to see some big changes to the podcast brand coming up. I'm not going to share. Not going to share what they are, but you have helped us in so many creative endeavors. And the first question I've got for you is, you're just 21 years old. Yeah. Where the heck does this expertise and this ability to run such a, a big, robust, successful marketing agency come from? Yeah, great question. Well, I, uh, you know, I, I grew up thinking I was super creative, but I've I've come to realize I'm just a problem solver at heart. I love problem solving. Anything I can get my hands on that I can make better, I am just in love with. And so naturally, as a young kid, I uh, I started a media and marketing agency at 14 because I I needed to make some money. And that's you wild. couldn't you couldn't legally work in Canada. I'm from Canada, so if anybody picks up on that, um, <laughs> but I'm from Canada. And you couldn't le- you couldn't legally work till you're 15, uh, just based on the child labor law. So I couldn't work at McDonald's. I had to start something myself if I wanted to live the life I wanted to live, and and most importantly, if I wanted to have the impact. I wanted to have. So I started the company, yeah, just because I, you know, loved creating stuff. And at the time it was mainly photo and video um, stuff. But yeah, the expertise just comes from, I guess you could say years of experience. It sounds funny because I'm 21, but yeah. the reality is I'm on, uh, yeah, I'm on year seven of running this business, That's which is crazy. And I've, I've been creating content and studying people behavior and how they, you know, they interact with content way before I even started that, that business. So it's been a while. Despite so, being so young. What was it about your childhood that made you the guy studying, you know, people behavior and marketing instead of being out like playing football or something like that? You know what? Uh, 
I, I was playing football. <laughs> uh, I was a big football guy, but primarily hockey, to be honest. But you know what? I, I actually had, um, I had a difficult time with school and I had a difficult time. I did not fit the system. And um, looking back on it, it was super tough in many different ways for me. I was, I was always labeled from a very young age with, you know, diagnosed learning disabilities, diagnosed this and that ADHD, terrible processing speed. And so from the beginning, I knew that I had nobody but myself. Wow. I could not rely on the system to get me through and, and, you know, set me up. It was not setting me up for success. And so naturally I was looking for different, different ways to, uh, you know, create stuff that was going to take me on a path I, I wanted. And, and to be completely honest, I, I knew from a very young age, I had to create the path I wanted mm-hmm. and create the life I wanted. And so I think looking back on it, thinking about starting a company when I was 14, that purely came from the desire to have control of where I was going. Mm. Because my whole life, I had just been told, you know, you're not gonna be able to do this. You're not gonna be able to do that. And so I, yeah, the desire and the drive to create something like that just came because I realized I had to do it on my own. We hear uh, people like Gary Vee talk a lot about this, right? There's mm-hmm. so many people that don't fit into the schooling system yes. and, and they're being told they're broken. They're being told there's something wrong with them when really they just think differently and they're almost ready to be participating in the economy, so mm. to speak. If anything, they're not broken. They're maybe advanced. How are you feeling when you were early teens and they were telling you that you know this was wrong with you and that was wrong with you and you're like uh-uh, I just think differently mm-hmm. yeah so it, looking back on it and uh, I, I definitely knew this in the moment but I was so passionate and I'm still so passionate I, you guys might get this through this episode or you know checking some of the stuff I do out online but I am an extremely passionate kid and, and looking back on it it was just the the learning disabilities the ADHD the processing speed issues all of that was really just misguided passion I never knew how to control the passion I had I would act out I would you know get in trouble in different ways and and it was really just because I didn't know how to channel that passion and so I I had to learn from an early age that you know where I was going and, and what I was going to do was all going to come down to how well I, I learned you know how to channel that passion. Just like I said, it, it was a huge gift. I'm, I'm so thankful for it. And quite honestly, I'm, I'm thankful for the way that the system kicked me out. I'm thankful yeah. for the way that the system did not allow me to fit in because I, I, would, I would have never done well in that system, even if it catered towards some of the needs I had. And, and it really, really forced me to take a step back and go, okay, how can I look at this differently? And because of that, I, I got into self-development, um, uh, you know, subconsciously, I wasn't reading self-development mm-hmm. books, but I was spending a lot of time thinking about myself and going, okay, but why? Why am I like this? Why do I not fit in? But what am I good at? And I think I learned at a young age to just focus on what I'm good at rather than, oh, you're not good at English. You should do more English. What, I was just like, well, I'm, I'm good at these things and I'm, I'm going to push forward with them. While this was going on, what role did your parents play? I've met your parents. They're super oh. cool. They're good parents. Uh, what were they thinking? What were they saying at this time that you were being diagnosed with being, mm-hmm. quote, broken? Uh, yeah, at least for the school, mm-hmm. what the school oh, totally. system wanted yep. to see. And... Um, you know, here you are, this this prodigy, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, they they had a tough time with it, but in the best way possible. They are phenomenal. I, I owe everything to them. Um, they really stuck with me, but they got a lot of hit for it, man. They took on a lot of criticism from people because of the, you know, the different things they would allow me to do mm-hmm. or the ways they would push me to change. Um, they had not only were they getting fit from my teachers, from the principals and from myself, you know, there was a lot of trouble in the air around, around me as a kid, but they took it on from their friends. I'm sure they had friends. I know they had friends who looked at them saying, well, you know, why can't you Bad just parents. fix him? Well, yeah. You guys are terrible parents, you know, all this stuff. And so I'm so thankful because they always knew that there was something in me. Um, they always- Did they encourage they, this? They Did saw they foster that passion this? And they, yeah, absolutely, man. I, I cannot thank them more because they, they decided when I was young to, you know what? We are gonna support Joe where he wants to go in whatever way he wants to do it. Because he, yeah, the, the reality is they just knew I didn't fit the system. And um, I think this was, I'm so thankful because I see a lot of parents who see, have the, you know, are in similar situations and they, they act in a way that pushes the kid, you know, in the opposite of direction uh, that, that I went in, which is really, okay, how can, I, how can I learn how I learn? How can I see what I'm good at and act on that rather than what I'm not? And I, yeah, I'm just really thankful that they decided to, to see that. And you don't have to go to college. Mm-hmm. You can do your own thing, you know? By the time I was graduating high school, I had a, I had a full-blown business and that would have not happened if they were not willing to let me uh, you know, take that route from a young age. Let me ask you this. 
Um, what's your message to other parents listening? Because I'll be honest, most people listening to the show right now, they're not the 15-year-old or 20-year-old prodigy. Yeah, absolutely. They're the parents of the potential prodigy. Mm -hmm. What's your message to those parents listening that might think they have a son or a daughter that is fitting the example that you were? Yeah, stick with them. And this is something that changed my life here. This is, a, this is my statement quote, uh, something that was told to me by my grade eight teacher, um, changed my life forever on the spot. And it is that every single wall in your life is just an invitation to a better version of yourself. And, and walls are not walls if you're willing to look at them as hurdles and, and you just gotta learn how to run and jump or you have to support your kid as he learns how to run and jump because a wall is not a wall. It's only a wall if you call it a wall. Mm. Every wall can be turned into a hurdle. And that was wow. something that I was told in grade eight. I have um, it's crazy, this quick story, but I, you know, we got, <laughs> think about um, grade eight. Take yourself back to first day of grade eight. It's a little bit awkward. It's your last year, step into the class. Teacher says, all you bad kids go over here all you good kids go over here. Bad kids, you guys are actually in another class. We just got a new teacher. You're being split up. So split up from our friends, stepped into this new classroom and there's a teacher sitting there. And immediately- This really happened, you're uh, saying? It really happened. This, this is a true is so story. Damaging. And yeah, and this, and I, and I sat there and I said, oh, I walked into this classroom and I said, oh, I guess this is a new teacher. And I guess this is just another person I'm gonna have to piss off. And take <laughs> note, I didn't wanna do that. Yeah. But I was so labeled, that's all I knew. Oh. This is so important for parents listening. You've got to- get rid of the track record idea. Your kid has this track record, so that's all he's gonna do. If you continue to say that and you continue to put those labels on them, they're never gonna change. And so I walked into this classroom, the teacher was sitting there and he called me up and I said, here we go. Here we go. I'm gonna have to piss this dude off because that, that was my role. That's what I did. And I did not wanna do it, but it was, it was all I knew because that was what I was labeled. And I walked up and he held up a, he held up a binder and he said, hey, do you, do you know what these are? And I said, yeah. And he said, I just had a staff meeting with, with pretty much the whole school before the first day of school here. And um, it was supposed to be a school-wide meeting, but we ended up just talking about you. And my heart just sunk. And I was like, oh, that sucks. Like, you know, <laughs> they just had a full staff meeting and this new teacher is here in the first day. He gets told about how bad a student in his new class is gonna be. And so immediately my first thought was, okay, he already hates me. This is gonna be a heck of a year. This is my last year in elementary school. This sucks. And he picked up the binder and he said, do you know what these are? I said, yes. And it was this old binder and it had all these files in it. And I said, I know exactly what that is. That's my, that's my diagnosed IP. So individual education plan, basically telling me what I'm not capable of. Yeah. And he looked at me and he looked me in the eyes and said, Joey, I know you don't know me, but I just want you to know none of these are walls. They're just hurdles. And it changed my life like that, dude. Wow. It changed my life. It was the first person I have ever met in authority other than my parents who looked at me with more than what everybody else saw me. And he, he changed my life that year. Was I, was I immediately changed? Absolutely not. My heart yeah. was physically and mentally. But no, you were I, I was open. still, I was, I was cracked open. He cracked me open so hard. So shout out to Mr. Norris. Um, he actually moved on to be a principal. And he's Would continuing to change uh, pretty much. <laughs> um, he's continuing to change lives, but he was the first person to look at me and say, you are so wildly full of potential. And wow everything up to this point. You're gonna be in jail by the time you're 17. That's what my principals used to tell me, all this stuff. And he just looked at me and he said, you know what? Forget all of this, Joey. None of these are walls. Literally the tangible papers that told me I couldn't do anything. It is not a wall, it's a hurdle. And he said, I'm gonna teach you how to run and jump. And that's exactly what he did, changed my life forever. And that's why I am so passionate now about providing people with the same opportunity, man. Like I'm so passionate about the fact that Every wall is just a hurdle if you're willing to let yourself learn how to run and jump. And, and pushing past that, every wall is just an invitation. There's nothing other than an invitation to a better version of yourself on the end of that. So wow. yeah, thankful for him, man. So inspirational, love it. All right, so to teacher Chuck Norris, great job. You created a, <laughs> one heck of a human being here. All right, so you reached out to me on Instagram. This is how we know each other for those yeah. listening. You reached out to me on Instagram out of the blue. Um, I think, did you listen to the show beforehand? Is that how you- My, my dad actually, speaking of great parents, my dad said, you would be a better man if you listened to the show for the next 60 oh, days straight. Cool. And so he was actually the person that, that convinced me and I hated podcasts because yeah. again, I was told from my old, my old stories that podcasts seemed like a form of education. I was mm -hmm. like, I, I can't listen to podcasts. That's not me. Yeah. I don't thrive in that environment, but he forced me to do it basically by just saying like, please just try. And I think you'd really love this Chris Harder guy. And I got probably 10 minutes into the first episode and I'm hooked, man. Dude, how ironic is it that you're hooked. sitting here recording right I now? Know, this is crazy. That's bizarre. What was yeah. the first episode you listened to? Do you remember? I think it was, 
it had, it, I, you know what? I can't remember the specific one. All I know is that you rocked me to the core with the the permission you were giving yeah. everybody listening to to literally do what they know they need to do in order to make as much money as possible yeah. to be able to give. And that's something that I'm so aligned with you on. And again, like I was never given that permission as a kid from somebody authoritative. And so hearing you on that podcast, seeing you as somebody in authority in that space, hearing that and being given permission was just insane, man. So yeah, I like, Crazy. I, I can't remember what the- Crazy how the world works, Yeah, huh? I don't remember what the episode was, but uh, yeah, I was hooked instantly. God, is this cool. Okay, so for everybody listening, here's what I'm getting at. So he listens to the show, finds me on Instagram, and basically says, hey man, your message is probably you know, missing out on millennials and down. Mm. Uh, and for reference, I'm 42, so I'm literally exactly twice his age. And the way that you did it, because I get a lot of these, um, not a lot of people call me old, but I mean, a lot of people getting into my DM saying, I could do this for you, I could do that for you. And I'm sure they're very talented people, but I get so many of them that I ignore them unless somehow, mm-hmm. for some reason, they stand out. So you stood out. The way you approached me, uh, the way that you somehow captured me and added value in that first message, you stood out. What are your tips or what's your advice? for reaching out to either brands or mm-hmm. influential people and getting their attention and starting that conversation so that you know they can end up having the kind of relationship that you and I do now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the biggest thing and I see this all the time specifically in the creative world but this goes this goes everywhere but people are not willing to to provide a legit solution. So many people just reach out saying, hey, I would love to create this for you because it's it's a selfish thing because they they might want to just create. Or they they reach out to brands and say, hey, uh, you should let me shoot for you because I love your company. But it's not a solution for that company. You're not identifying a pain point and providing them a solution. And I think that was what was so... Um, I guess, strategic. And I I thought about that. This is so funny again. But I sat there for probably 40 minutes, man, going like, "This this is so important to me. How can I really, really find how I can benefit Chris and how can I provide that to him? And so that's what I did. I I did an audit of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I said, I know you could be playing bigger and especially Mm -hmm. being the the consumer market that is going to be the biggest percentage of the consumer market in the next 10 years as we, you know, as, as Gen Zs, I'm a Gen Z, as we continue to take over the consumer market, I knew that my, my expertise was, was beneficial to you, knowing, knowing your message and knowing what you do. So I, uh, I, I think that was the game changer for me. And if for anybody listening to this, wanting to network with anybody who you think is untouchable, anybody listening to this who wants to work for a brand that they feel is untouchable or hard to reach, anybody wanting to, um, you know, get a job, you want to intern with somebody who you want to, you want to get to know and you just feel like you can't crack them. All you have to do is actually figure out how you're a solution to them. So many people beat around the bush and it's so, you know, selfish. Hey, I want to work with you guys. We should work together. That doesn't work. No, no one's going to want to do that. I teach this all the time. Like play the long game, slow down, could you do a deep dive and figure out how can you really add True tangible value to the person you want to reach out to, 100%, 100%, and that's what you did. Man, 100%. Such good advice. You gotta identify a problem, and you gotta provide a solution. Now, I'm sure way. I'm not the first one. You must have done this in the past and been turned down, right? Especially if you've had this huge marketing agency since you were 14. I, I used to send hundreds of messages a day Ooh, when I was okay. like 14 Listen, people, or 15. You see, this is the part that people won't do. They're not willing to do. You know what? They're not this willing to send the, the only, hundreds of messages exactly. and get the hundreds of no's. The only reason why I ever learned how to provide value is because I used to sit there for hours and just say, hey, I'm Joey, copy, paste. I love what I do and I think I'd be great for you guys. Let me know if you want to work together. Yeah. I used to send hundreds That's what everybody of everybody sends, by the everybody. way. Everybody. And I didn't get anything back. I was inspired actually. Gary V, I saw a video in 2013, mm-hmm. Gary V saying, if you should come home from school, if you're a kid, sit down there and network with companies for five hours a day. And I did that, but I was doing it so wrong because all I would talk about is, hey, I think you guys are really cool. I'm cool. We should work together. But it was not a, a you know revenue or fulfillment driven solution for them. Therefore, I got nothing back. And so I had to continue, like, continue to, to you know, um, 
refine my process. And I just realized that I sucked because I wasn't giving any value. I wasn't, I wasn't providing a solution. So yeah, I used to send hundreds though, where I just totally blew it right away. And wow. so I should, I did not deserve a response because there was no, there was no value in it for them. But yeah, I, I had to learn the, the hard way. So if you're listening to this, don't force yourself to send thousands of messages. Just learn how to find somebody's problem and give them a solution. You'll be way better off. Man, such good advice. Well, one, it worked. Two, this leads me to another question. Um, you know, a lot of people use excuses like, oh, I've got nothing to offer or, oh, I'm too young or, oh, I'm too old or, oh, I'm too whatever, right? And they're really just excuses because they haven't done the work to do, to get to that next level, to really work with who they want to work with. Mm -hmm. What was the biggest brand you worked with at a youngest age? And I'm I'm looking at your resume. I'm thinking Ford, Yeti. um, What were some of the other ones that were on there? Yeah, Uber. Uber Uber. Uber was probably the biggest one that I worked with at a, like that's probably the most recognizable one. I think I was 17. Okay, good. This is a perfect Um, answer. Here's what I want to ask you. You're 17 years old. You're reaching out to these great big brands. What the heck does a 17-year-old say to these brands? Yeah. Uh, you know what? This is um, this is funny because you love the long game. This was the long game. Yeah. I actually got the opportunity through building a relationship for months, months and months with a marketing agency, a couple of guys from a marketing agency, which then connected the dots for me. So you cannot expect anything to come quick. This is not a, oh, I'm going to sit down and I'm just going to you know send a couple messages. You've got it. You've got it. Chris says this all the time. You have to play the long game. Relationship capital is more important than anything yes. else possible that you can get your hands on in business. Um, and it's it's so fulfilling too, because now I have these relationships that, that just go way deeper than anything else, but it's because I played the long game. So yeah, that Uber gig, I was actually in New Zealand and it was super random because... I saw an Instagram story from this agency saying, hey, is there anybody in New Zealand who shoots video? And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, they're from the States, but I'm in New Zealand and I know them. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, it was me. It, the Instagram story was up for two minutes. I replied, I'm assuming I was the first one to reply. They immediately said yes. Um, they said, sweet, here's the gig, boom, 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 boom. And so it, it might've looked like it happened really fast. Yeah. But dude, this was like a 10-month process of building a relationship with these guys. Wow. I that would have people, I never hope happened. That part. Yes. It looked externally from the outside. It yep. looked like I got a, like I got a got fast lucky. break. I got a fast break. Yep. It was not a fast break, man. It was months of building a relationship that led them to, to pulling the trigger on me so fast. Dang, that's so cool. It's where opportunity met preparation. Exactly. That's where I love that. That's that's so cool. Okay. You also mentioned Zen uh, Gen Z's. You're a Gen Z, I am. right? Yep. 21 years old. Yep. Um What's the importance of people my age? Mm-hmm. So let's uh, say upper 30s, low, uh, 40s, and even maybe early 50s. Mm-hmm. What's the importance of us taking you guys seriously in our marketing? And what's the best way to speak to you? Yeah, this is such a great question. This is something I'm so passionate about because as I said in the beginning, I'm a problem solver mm-hmm. and I see this as a massive, massive problem in the next few years. And And the problem that I'm seeing is so many companies, uh, organizations, businesses, market screaming what they do. And as a young guy, a Gen Z, I want nothing more than to just belong. And that's why mm-hmm. I, I love my relationship with you and Lori is because I'm, I'm, I belong to your why. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love what you guys do. And your quote, quote unquote, when good people make good money, they do great things. That's the only reason why I'm sitting here right now. Mm-hmm. I immediately fell in love with your podcast because I resonated. I felt a sense of belonging to that. And the thing to for everybody listening to to understand is that we are we're we're obviously different. Everyone knows we're different, and a lot of people don't have us figured out. But here's the here's the quick two cents on figuring us out. We just want to belong, and we want to be a part of something greater. Yeah. And so, when this comes down to business, there's going to be a huge shift in the market, and huge shift in marketing, and the way that we re- are receptive to buying things, our buying habits, the buying habits of the average consumer are going to change so much. Because right now, and for the last twenty years, call it. Everything has been very logical. Okay, what's the best price? Can I get a price check on that? Who else is offering yeah. it? But we don't care. I, I, I don't care at all what the best price is. I don't care who's offering you it. You as Gen Z, you, you don't care. You as Gen Z. We don't care. We just want to buy things that we feel, one of two things, either we have a sense of belonging to or mm-hmm. we're a part of something greater. Oh, just man. like I said. So it's so important that people understand, okay, how do I actually do that with my products? How can we position our business, our products, our offer, 
to the market because more Gen Zs are coming in and coming in and coming in. And I would even say the way Gen Z buying habits are, are going down, we're actually affecting a lot of people your age. Yeah. Like you guys are going to start to change your buying habits as well because yep. it's just how the world is changing. So it's not just even a Gen Z thing. If you're sitting here going, well, my market isn't Gen Z. I don't, I don't sell to Gen Zs. Well, it's coming for you as well mm-hmm. because everybody is going to change. And that is that people want a sense of belonging and they want to be a part of something greater. If your product has that attached to it, you're good. If it doesn't, you're, you're going to disappear. Wow, that is... Okay, so why is it that your generation wants to be a part of something greater? Why is that so important? And why is it shifting from the logical decision? Uh, you've used the example with me before, You know, the average person buying a tank of gas, they look at both sides of the street and they make the logical decision of just mm-hmm. going with the cheaper one. Mm-hmm. You're saying Gen Z is like, I don't care which one's cheaper. I want to know the mission behind that gas brand, right? Yeah. Well, actually, you're probably saying, we don't want gas at all. We want electric. But <laughs> the whole point of my, my question is, uh, what is it about your generation yeah. that's making that more important than the logical side? know what? It's a, that's a great question because I don't think it's my generation. I think my generation is just the first one to, to stand firm. Um, it's people, man. It's people behavior. Mm-hmm. It's not just Gen Zs. This is how people are wired. We, we're tribal people. We want mm-hmm. a sense of belonging. We want to be a part of something greater. I think Gen Zs, uh, we have such a high you know, tolerance to, um, to noise, such a high tolerance to crowded markets, such a high tolerance to you know, products that, that are not in it for the right reason and people are selling them for the wrong reasons. I think we've just been so exposed to that because it's all we've known growing up. Um, and we, you know, we're just so used to these quick endorphin, endorphin hits, right? Like I always say, I was in the right place, right time. I was old enough when social media got really big to understand it, but I was also young enough to have a freaking bajillion hours of time yeah. on my hands. So I think my generation is so, so, so quick to you know, really pick apart different companies and products that are being screamed to us mm-hmm. in in the in the way of selling, that we we just want to feel a part of, like I said, something that we belong to or something greater than us. And so I don't think it's necessarily it's just a Gen Z thing. It's people behavior. Mm-hmm. It's how we've always been. We're tribal people. But I think Gen Z is just the first generation that's really really making you know different decisions around buying habits based on how our brains have been wired from the way we've grown up, wow. if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes great sense. You, you're the first to stand up and say, wait a minute, we all intuitively know this is right. We're going to stand for it. Mm-hmm. We're going to make decisions on it. Mm-hmm. We're going to vote with our dollar. Absolutely. I love that. Absolutely. Did you guys kind of start there, millennials? Or, or where do you think that really shifted? Yeah, in, you know, in execution, not in concept. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could probably say millennials. I, I, I think it's very broad. You know, there's some people that have been like that forever, right? Yeah. There's hippies that are like, I'm not buying this because, you know, like, I mean, look at the rise of of veganism. You yeah. know, it's a great uh, people. 90% of people eat vegan because of the why, not the what. Yeah, like they're not so t- attached to the products. Like they don't eat vegan because they love what vegan food tastes like mm-hmm. all the time. They're they're in it for the greater purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, I think it, it starts a long time ago. But I, yeah, millennials probably got that probably got that going quite a bit. But That's I think true. Gen Z is just so important, and every generation to follow is is just so so caught up in that. And you're going to have a hard time convincing people to buy stuff if if you're not aligned with with what we want. One of the most genius things you've taught me and my team as we've been working together on a lot of projects is it's not what you do, it's why you do it. And if Absolutely. you can lead with the why and not with the what, you're going to have no problem finding customers. Mm-hmm. And you used this really cool story that happened to you. Um, you're out here in LA and you saw this Capital One that yeah. looked like a bank. This morning. That was this morning. This morning. Yep. That looked like a bank. And uh, you walked in and what happened? Tell mm-hmm. us the story because yeah. it's a great... Uh, a great example of the why, not the what. Mm-hmm. So this is a great analogy because I am not native to LA, so I don't know the best spots. I was kind of walking around with a, like a chicken with his head cut off, just looking <laughs> for coffee, right? Like I, I don't know where to go. I pull up my maps on my phone and I was like, where's the coffee shop? And well, the nearest one was Capital One. I said, oh, I think that's the name of, a, of an American bank. Well, I'll go check it out. It was only like you know 200 meters away. So I walk down and I, I get to Capital One and there's the big Capital One sign. I'm like, yep, yeah, that's the that's the logo sure. of the bank. Recognize the branding. Recognizable. Yeah, I've seen the branding. And the doors are fully open. It's this massive open concept front entrance. I was like, oh, this is cool. I walk in and it said it was a coffee shop. So I was kind of confused. I walk in and immediately I see coffee. I see muffins. I see a bunch of other stuff. And I see these huge ceilings in this beautiful work environment. And I was like, oh, I'm so confused. And immediately a man greeted me in a suit. 
I said, so I walk into a coffee shop. It's open concept. There's seating, and then there's a man greeting me in a suit, like with this bank is, branding. This is yes, <laughs> with a Capital One name tag. He's a representative of Capital One. So this is weird. And I said, hey, how are you? Because I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm excited. It's the morning. I'm like, I want to get coffee. And I love people. And he said, hey, so good to see you, man. Well, you know, good morning. Are you coming for a coffee? And I said, yeah. And I said, is this a bank? And he said, yeah, it is a bank. But you know what? We at Capital One believe that banking should be just as easy and as comfortable as getting a coffee. Wow. And my mind was blown. I was like, whoa, you are genius because they are directly marketing their why. He did not tell me what they did. No. He didn't say, yep, uh, yep, we're a bank and we uh, have you know, we believe that we have the best you know, financial stuff in, in America. He immediately hit me with the why and instantly I put my bag down. I'm like, yep, yeah, this is my spot. I sat, there, I, I sat there for two hours, man. I put it on my Instagram story. I tagged Capital One saying, you guys are genius. This is amazing. Thank you for the experience. They immediately got exposure to, 20,000 people on my socials. Like it was, it was genius. And I, I felt, because you know why I felt so connected was because I believe that banking should be just as easy as getting a coffee. I, yeah. I do. Like yeah. any banking situation that's super complex, I'm like, it should why be is it intimidating. so it should, not it, be should be, time it should be consuming. inviting and it should, should be easy and enjoyable. And I walked in and instantly he facilitated Capital One's why to me and my why up in my head that banking should be easy connected with him. And because of that, I put away my phone. I did not care about going, and I'm a coffee snob. Like yeah. I like good coffee. So yeah. traditionally, I walk into coffee shops and they all talk about their what? Oh, we do this, we mm -hmm. do that. Here's our beans. And so I immediately go, okay, where's the best price and what has the best beans? And there's comparison. Because when you talk about your what, you've if just become you, commoditized. You if, are now yeah, comparable. You're, you're a commodity. If you talk about your what, you immediately subject yourself to comparison. When you, when you, we, when you leave with the why, you create loyalty right off the bat wow. because it connected with me. That was a brilliant example of how Capital One is killing it. So shout out to Capital One. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, I was captivated. Instantly, I was wrapped right in and I did not want to leave. I ended up spending 25 bucks. Here's a really One. good example of what that example, what your coaching has changed for us. So like when you used to land on my Instagram, it said, I help entrepreneurs find more revenue because that's what I do. Yep. But what you taught us was that's the how and the what. And quite honestly, there's a million people doing that. Everybody says they do you that. You said, why don't you lead with, I believe that when good people make good money, they do great things, which has been my tagline for it's years now. It's been your tagline. And you said that cannot be commoditized. That talks about your why and they stick around to eventually find out the what and the how. Absolutely. Well, take, take us back a year and a half, man, when I first listened to your podcast. How many people run masterminds? As a young kid with a Plenty business, I was like, I need to put myself in a position where I'm the small fish so I can get better and better and better and give and do all this stuff. There's tons of masterminds I got to pick from. Mm -hmm. But immediately, I sensed your why because I heard you say it on your podcast. I did not even look at any other mastermind options. I'm from, I'm from a couple hours or an hour and a half north of Toronto. Coming to LA a couple times a year is not, not convenient, convenient when there's masterminds in Toronto. No. But... I don't care. I didn't even search Toronto Masterminds because you stated your why and I instantly connected with it and it created loyalty right off the bat. No price checks, no comparison. I was, I'm in. Wow. And because of that, I've been here ever since. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I've been in both rounds of your mastermind. I'm not going anywhere. They're freaking phenomenal. But the only reason you attracted me was because you talked about why you do what you do, not what you do. This is amazing. Like this this has been such a game changer for us. Because when you hear it, you're like, duh, right? Of course. Such a game changer for us. I hope that everyone listening, it causes a shift in what they're doing as well because attracting a customer becomes so much easier. Absolutely. You brought up masterminds. Let's talk about masterminds a minute. Yep. Uh, most people, once again, at 20 and 21 years old, yep. they're not ready to invest in a mastermind. At least they don't think they are. Absolutely. That's the story they tell themselves. And they don't see the value yet in it. What in the world do you see as a value? Because you, you've spent a lot of time in both my masterminds. You've spent uh, in the early stages one yep. called Fast Foundations. And then you spent a lot of time in my elite one, which is the Elite Entrepreneur Mastermind. Yep. Uh, and shameless plug, literally as we're recording this, you know we've got a, just a couple of spots left if anyone wants to check them out and apply. If you're making over $500,000, go to fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind and fill out the application quick. You and I'll jump on the phone and chat. But... um. What I really wanted to ask you was, what do you see in these masterminds that make that causes growth in people's businesses? Mm -hmm. You know, it's yeah. Again, it's not a it's not a logical decision, and so I get why people get hung up on it. But 
I, I really, really encourage you guys, if you guys know you need to be in a position where you are a small fish in a big pond, you need to get in that room. Because the way I see it is, uh, this is my favorite quote. I just gave you a, a thank you gift with this yep. quote engraved on it. Yep. Turns out it was actually a quote Lori said, which is yep. hilarious. But you said it, it's probably the biggest quote that's changed my life this year. And it was, your environment will always outweigh mm-hmm. your willpower. Blew my mind. And I said, isn't that exactly what a mastermind is? That's all it is. Yeah. It's putting yourself in proximity to people who are doing bigger and better things than you and are willing to turn around and grab your hand and help you up. Yep. That's all it is. And yep. so as a young man, and I would say as having a young business, you know, it's been seven years, but you know, I, I, there's still so much ahead for me. I just had, okay, could I do it on my own? Absolutely. Would it take me 35 years? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or could I shortcut it? You know, get in the room, be with the people, learn from so many people, connect with so many people. And the best part about masterminds, this is my favorite part, is being able to contribute. Mm. I thrive in an environment where I can contribute to people. And boy, have and you done you that, you have by the given way. me such a beautiful opportunity to do that. I cannot thank you enough for the way you and Lori champion everybody in the room to step into their power and help other people. Because like you said, yes, are you and Lori fantastic? Absolutely. Yes, is Nick genius? Absolutely. You guys are phenomenal, but the power's in the room. Yes. And so stepping into an environment- It's not us, where it's the other it's, entrepreneurs. Exactly. And so this is the way I see it. So many people go, ah, I just want a one-on-one coach. Like it's more intimate. Mm-hmm. Dude, when you get into a mastermind, you have 30 one-on-one yeah. coaches. Yeah. Literally, yep. literally. It's not just Chris and Lori. Every single person is in that room and is ready to serve and give to you. And it is, it is so beyond fantastic. I cannot recommend it more. Seriously, I, I said to myself, I will never go a year without being in a mastermind. It okay. has been that transformational. So tell me. then, is this what led you to see this white space, to see this gap for creatives that they needed a mastermind? Yeah. All right, where, where, where did this become born from? Mm-hmm. You know what? It, it, comes, it became born from my, my stories of what, it, coming from my, edu- my educational background. I never found an education system that fit until I got in your mastermind. I got in your mastermind and I was like, holy cow, if only school was like this. Yeah. If only I was able to contribute in school and <laughs> help my teachers in different ways. Like my favorite, one of my favorite parts about the mastermind is that you and Lori are so humbly present with us and are so ready to, to take help from us. Like mm-hmm. we get to contribute to you, which is just such a beautiful thing. And, you know, I was in that environment and I thought to myself, if I have grown this much in this one simple five-month session, how can I provide this to creatives? Mm. And I looked around and I found nothing. Nobody was doing this. And I said, wow, like I need to provide creatives with the same opportunity to be, you know, um, the, to encounter coaching, to encounter accountability, and to encounter community. Those are the three mm. biggest pillars of what you guys do and what, what, what I now do with my mastermind. It's changed everything for me and especially for creatives running a creative business is so hard because there's not one way to do it. And this goes for many businesses, but creatively, there's not one way to charge. There's not one way to do this. And so I truly believe that everything is validated in community. You need to validate everything in community or else you will have no confidence in saying, yep, here's my rate. But if you talk to four different people and they all encourage you on you know, what you should charge, of course, you're going to have confidence stepping into that meeting and, and proclaiming what you're worth. You know? So that's just a quick example. But I just noticed that there was a massive gap of people who um, you know, love creating, but it never gets taken past the hobby. Yeah. And that's when I set it on a mission to not only you know, um, continue to inspire people, like I said, to turn their walls into hurdles, because that's my main goal with life. But I want to break the creative struggle, man. It's like Let's I want, talk I want to about the creative it. struggle. Yeah. This is why I love that you formed your mastermind. There's this starving artist syndrome, right? Photographers, artists, yes. you name it. This they wear it like a badge of honor or like mm-hmm. it's some kind of rite of passage they have to go through and they don't have to. I mean, you're 21 years old and you charge, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, $10,000 a day for your photo shoots, am I right? Yeah, videos, branding, like what yeah, brand therapy sessions, those are super expensive. Okay. Like okay. it's so- creative running a creative business is extremely extremely like profitable. Yes, extremely exactly. profitable. Especially now, everybody needs creative services. There's no excuse to not be creatively successful. Then why is there this notion that you have to be a struggling artist? And how do you fix that in your mastermind mm-hmm. for them? You know what? It is a, <laughs> I love how you said they wear it like a badge of honor because it's true. Yeah. Every And you know why it's true? It's because creative people 
tend to think with the limbic side of their brain more. And we were just talking about this. This is a part of my brand therapy process where we help you know clarify who you are and why you do what you do to drive revenue and fulfillment. We talk about the two sides of the brain, the limbic side of the brain and the neocortex side of the brain. Creatives often think with the, with the limbic side of our brain, which means uh, that's the, the people behavior, the people behavior and the, the emotional side of what we do. And then the neocortex side is, is very logical. And so the fact that we think you know, a lot of creativity comes from emotion. And so we're often thinking with the limbic side of our brains, but the tough part is it doesn't have, the limbic side of our brain doesn't have a taste for language. Mm -hmm. And so creatives more than anybody struggle with business because they don't know how to voice what they do. And they don't know how to voice, most importantly, how what they do is a solution for somebody Mm -hmm. because it's such an emotional part of who they are. And so- it's not, here's, if you're listening to this and you're a creative, have grace for yourself. Like know that it is scientific that you probably suck at business. Yeah. That's scientific. <laughs> like literally it's scientific. And so, but so many people get stuck in that and they go, well, it just doesn't come naturally to me. And then the guy beside you, who's also a photographer goes, oh, it just doesn't come naturally to me either. And what happens? We're tribal people. We join together and say, oh, well, the creative struggle is real and let's wear it like a badge of honor. It becomes truth when it doesn't have to. It becomes truth when it does not have to. Do you know what I just thought of? This is like someone saying, well, you know, my my aunts and my uncles had bad genetics, my parents had bad genetics, and so that's why I'm overweight. So I'm not going to work out because I can't look or, or be healthy like the other people. Yep. It may have a lot of evidence supporting that story, but it's just not true. You might have to work harder because your brain's built differently or your body's built differently. Yep. It doesn't have to be your story and it doesn't have to be true. Exactly. You're, you're, you're right on, man. It's, and it's, this is why I'm so passionate about helping creatives because I was there. I was there. And, and now that I'm on the other side of that, I, I've, I've seen how profitable and um, how beautiful you know, life with, with abundant finances is. The ability to give to people and the ability to bless people is just like phenomenal. And creatives have such an opportunity to do that because running a creative business is so profitable. We can charge a lot for our skills because the reality is creative assets are massive, massive needle movers in a lot of businesses. Mm -hmm. But so many people are not willing to cut themselves from that sense of belonging to hurt with everybody so the else. the struggle club. The struggle club. Because the struggle club does say, oh, how dare you charge that much? Who do you think you are? Exactly. And people just aren't willing to, to step out of that because as soon as you confront that and you go, you know what? I'm not about the struggle club anymore. You've got to show up and people aren't ready to show up. They're scared of it. And so it's just, it's sad to me. My heart breaks for, for people in this position because I just know how profitable and how talented so many creatives are, but they never get to take it past a hobby or they do, but they end up, you know, working a serving job for the rest of their life where they're trying to make their photo business, you know, thrive. And it never does because they they don't have the, the tips, tricks, and, and knowledge um, and support to really be able to, you know, uh, move the needle in it. So yeah, man, my heart breaks for those people. Well, you're making a big impact for them with your mastermind. How can people find your mastermind? Uh, www.creativerisemastermind.com. Creativerisemastermind.com. Yeah. Yep. I've seen it make a huge difference. I've you've spoken been a at it a couple you've times. Been a guest yep. twice, which is I, I'm so proud of you for creating a, a, a container for people with sabotaging stories, right? Starving artist syndrome to go and have that shift and then shift the results. Mm-hmm. It's really cool to see you doing. Appreciate it. Uh, because you don't have to do that. I mean, you're making $10,000 a day shooting video and photo and everything else. Yeah. So it's really cool that you do that. Okay. You just mentioned something. You said the cool thing about being a creative is it's highly profitable when you land the big contracts and therefore mm-hmm. you get to give more. Mm-hmm. You and I share that common ethos. Absolutely. It's literally why we're sitting here today. One of my favorite things about you is when I first met you, you were, uh, I don't even know if you were 20 yet at the time. You might've just turned 20. I, I think ju- you just, I think turned I just turned 20. Yeah. And you said, hey, I'm 20 years old. My goal is to give $20,000 to charity at 20 years old. That took me by storm. I don't meet a lot of 20-year-olds that have a well-defined generosity goal. Why was that important to you? Mm. Yeah, you know what? Again, this is, this is so full circle for, for me and for you because that, that goal came from me sitting in your mastermind and having this incredibly overwhelming feeling to do that. Now, growing up, um, I, I had money issues, money mindset mm-hmm. issues. I was told that having a lot of money isn't a good thing. Um, be careful when you get money because it's the root of all evil. And I, you know, I sat there and I, I now own this business that's profitable and I'm, I'm blessed with abundance. And that was tough for me to make that call 
because acknowledging that I'm that I'm successful is has been tough, and that's another part of my story based on you know the my previous part and how I I continue to to find myself in in these situations. But that was tough for me to make that call because especially to tell people about it. Yeah. I set that goal. And my first my first intention was I'm never going to tell anybody I'm yeah. giving away twenty thousand dollars because that's not cool. That right. means I got money, yep. right? And I did not want to be seen as someone who had money, but you know what? You you that's completely changed that. And that's a, we could do a whole other podcast on that. And we'd have to get Lori in here because she's been a massive part in, in transitioning that for me. But I, you know, I sat there and I, I just thought to myself, I'm, I'm freaking 20 years old. What do I need all this money for? And most importantly, if I don't give now, I won't give then. Yeah. That yes, was huge yes, for me. Yes. If you don't give now, you will never give then. Mm-hmm. Because one of my favorite things you say about money is money is just a multiplier of opportunity. Mm-hmm. It magnifies who you are. If you are happy broke, you're happy rich. Uh-huh. If you're a giver broke, you're a giver rich. If yes. you're a giver when you make a hundred grand, you're a giver when you make a mill. If you're super, you know, greedy. When you make no money, you're going to be super greedy when you make a lot of money. And, and I just sat there and it hit me. And I said, Joey, you do not need all of this. Go bless somebody. And I've always loved, like I'm such a contributor. I've always loved blessing people in so many different ways. But I've always been scared to bless someone financially wow. because I didn't want to be seen as somebody who had money. And that That's was so the funny. Hey, point, I've man. got this huge heart. Everyone knows about me, except I would feel bad if I had money to give yeah. with this huge heart. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Especially if I told people that I gave that yeah. money. And now I've learned that telling people that I'm giving away $20,000 at 20 is if I hide that, I'm doing people a disservice yep. because it is inspiration. It is not It is not elevating myself above them. Nope. Me giving that away is not elevating me over anybody else. It inspires other people else. that, that you, have a goal. You taught me that big time because like I said, immediately I thought, I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm just going to do it. And then you told me that if I hide that, if I dim my light in that area of my life, I am, I am just hurting other people that could be doing the same or I could be inspiring people to do the same in a couple of years. And so, yeah, man, thank you for, thank you for teaching me that. No, thank you for leading by example. Question, when you had a giving goal, did that elevate your performance at all? I've got no idea what the answer is, but I once interviewed a guy where he said, I choose a big giving goal every year because it makes me have to go out and find the revenue to create the abundance to do it. Did it yeah, affect your, your performance totally. at all? You know, you know what? My first thought was, ah, maybe I should give away $10,000 this year. And then- I can't remember what happened, but I was sitting there and I thought the, the statement 20 at 20 popped into my head. And I was like, oh shoot, that's a lot of money. Like, Dang. I don't want to give away $20,000. Like that's a lot of money. But and in my heart, I was like, no, no, no. Like you could totally do that. And I, one, another thing you've taught me is like, you can create money yep. out of thin air. Yep. And I was like, why would I not shoot for 20 at 20? 20, 20 uh, 10K at 20, that sounds way less cool. And it's going to impact a smaller amount of people. Why don't I shoot for the stars and go for this? And and I'm happy to sit here and say that it, like it's it's going to happen. I've got I've got to the end of this year, which is just an, it's under yeah. a month now, and um it's going to happen, which is so cool. But yeah, I it so made cool. me step up for sure. Like this, I you know I started systemizing more what we what we do, and I brought on another team member, and then I created a mastermind. Like guys, this is the power of being involved with people. The mastermind Chris is talking about, and again, I'm I'm going to share numbers here because I truly believe that this is this is to be used for inspiration, not to elevate myself, but it added, it added 50K to my revenue this year. And I didn't even have that idea no. literally nine months ago. Nope. Uh, nine months nine ago. Nine months ago, that idea was never in my head. out of thin air. You guys, you guys inspired me by facilitating this beautiful community and room that I was able to grow so much in. And I wanted to turn around and do the same. And it created an additional 50K. And I was just like, you can create money out of thin air I'm so doing 20 at 20. And, and so, yeah, man, it terrified me. Um, it, it totally terrified me. Uh, it terrified me the whole time. It even still, like there's, there's, I still have this kind of, I don't want to say baggage feeling. And I, I, again, I think this comes from, from my childhood and, and money stuff. I'm still working through this. Like we're always going to be working on our money mindset, but it totally made me, made me push the bar and, and see what I could do. And um, yeah. So so cool, dude! So I'm cool. so proud of you. It's the coolest story ever. It's one of the reasons I love you, like a like a brother or a son or whatever. They would be. <laughs> and, I always uh, say you and Lori are my my American sur- surrogate parents. All right, we'll take it. There we'll you take it. You can count on us for whatever, man. <laughs> I can't believe we're coming to the end of our time already. Let me ask you: Where can people follow you? Yeah, uh, I'm. Uh, I'm 
big on Instagram. Um, that's probably where I spend the most of my time. And your Instagram uh, handle is? Yeah. And uh, my Instagram handle is at Joey Spears. I'm not related to Brittany. It's S-P-E-E-R-S. Love it. Um, yeah. And then joeyspears.com and then www.creativerizemastermind.com. Please reach out. I seriously, I've said this before, but I'm, I'm just a big contributor. I would love to help anybody I can, connect with anybody I can, seriously. I, I'll, I'll use the label genius. I will use the label genius. We're going to do so many projects, continue to do so many projects in the future that we're going to be laughing because I'll be 60 and you'll be 40. And we'll say, oh my God, I remember when, you know, you're now the age when I met you yeah, and we're going to be laughing be at all cool. the projects that we did because cool. you are a genius. Anybody that needs a marketing firm and some creative direction, definitely reach out to Joey. All right, man, I got to ask you the last question. Give me a reason why people should be unapologetic about their pursuit of success. Mm. You know what? The world needs the world needs money. The world needs help. Mm-hmm. If you are in a position of some kind of skill that is tangible and you can create money, you are you, you are you are designed to do it to, in order to be able to give back and help people. And I, I just truly believe that whatever money issues you've got, whether they're you don't have any or whether you've got an incredible amounts of money issues and like I did and like I continue to have and I continue to work through, you've just got to know that if you, you're, we are designed, like I said, we're tribal people. We're designed to help each other. Yeah. And it just so happens that money is the currency of the world and that's how things get done. I'm not saying it's the only issue. And yeah. you, I'm not saying it's the only way things get done. Yeah. And I know you would agree with that. Yeah. Um, you know, those people would say, no, like love is the way that changes the world. I yeah. totally agree with you. But money is just like I said, it's a, it elevates everything. It, it multiplies how fast things can get done. Yeah. And um, I truly just believe that if you are in a position to make money, you're, 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 you're called to do it. So you, yeah. can, you can turn around and, and help everybody else. I so. could agree more. I love that you said, you know, there's also things like, I feel like love is the reason, money is the tool. Absolutely. Yeah. Boom. My man, I am so grateful that you came on the show today. This is, I'm going to go on record and say this is one of my favorite episodes I've ever done. I have wow. this huge calling to like start looking at the up and coming generations and helping people my age say, wait a minute, things are changing. And if you want to survive, it's time to tap into and listen to what they are bringing us for messages, for lessons, for trends and everything. Uh, the world's changing quickly. And I got to tell you, it is really going in a very cool direction. So mm. thank you for not just being on the show, man, but thank you for leading by example, being an inspiration. Thank you for showing that age doesn't matter. There are no excuses. Thank you for literally being that person that can inspire a 15-year-old, a 25-year-old, or a 55-year-old. And yeah. I can't wait to keep collaborating in the future with you, man. Oh, man. Appreciate that big time. Seriously. This is an honor. Freaking honor. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.